uh, without further ado, I will give you guys the floor to talk all things Keeper Leagues, Ought New, and all that good stuff here with the Keeper Cup podcast. Well, thanks, Miles. We're, we're really excited to be here. And as Miles said, for those of you who don't know, we host the, the Keeper Cup podcast. We do focus on Keeper Leagues, Auto New Leagues, sort of that that space in between redraft and dynasty. We do talk a little dynasty here and there, um, but that's that's really our, our, our niche. And we're going to take some questions today. So if you're in the chat and you've got questions about your keepers, I know, I mean, Pete, we've got our, our Listener League 2 keeper deadline tomorrow. The Keeper league, the keeper deadline for auto new leagues is Wednesday, so that's coming up. I've got a CBS league that's coming up. Are you you busy making all your keeper decisions? Yeah, unfortunately for that one that uh, that is due uh, this week or tomorrow or whatever it was, the Roto League, uh, there's not a lot of decisions for me to make because uh, it's a little ugly. But yeah, full blown, um, you know, definitely auto new cut deadline, just fully focused on that really. Yeah, so get those questions in. If you got questions for us, put them in the chat. Miles is going to help cue those up for us. We've got a couple that were sent in via Twitter. You can find us on Twitter at Keep or Cut. That's cut with a K. You can also find Pete. He was smart and put at Pete B Baseball right there in his name. I didn't put my Twitter handle, but it's at Chad Young. You can probably figure that one out. While you're getting those questions in, though, we always kick off our episodes by talking about jersey numbers. We just go with our episode number. This is episode 125, which means we're talking jersey number 25. And Pete, I mean, like, I have a soft spot for Jim Tomey, so I would love to give this to Jim Tomey. But episode 20, I mean, 25 is is Barry, right? I mean, it's that's that's it. Yeah, he's the goat. He deserves it. This is the Barry Bonds episode here on PitchCon. Yeah, I guess last week we uh, we went on 24. We gave it to Manny Ramirez out of personal bias as a Pete being a Red Sox fan, me being a Guardians fan. The writers are going to hate us. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to go. We're going to go big this time, though. We're going to go with we'll go with Barry because he, he definitely deserves it. While we're waiting for some of those questions to come in here, let's tee up something that we got from Twitter. This comes from Nicholas Mosudo says we've helped him out before, which is good. I hope we give him good help, not bad help. And he said he's got a team named Rakeb Cronengirth. That's a great team name, by the way, in auto new league 481, trying to contend wants to know, should he keep or cut a $50 Jose Ramirez? I think I'm in good shape to contend. He says, but concerned about the lack of wiggle room. Now it's a Fangraphs points league for those who don't play auto new. That's the, the scoring. There is sort of linear weights based. So if you think about like what makes a guy good in, Woba or WRC plus, like it's going to be similar stuff there. You get points for hits, extra base hits, home runs, walks, stolen bases. You lose points for caught stealing. Uh, for pitchers, it's innings pitched, walks, hit by pitch are bad, right? Walks and hit by pitch are bad. Strikeouts, home runs are bad, hits are bad. Um, you get points for win or for saves and holds, not for wins though. This team currently has 33 of their 40 spots filled. They have $377 spent. So he's looking at seven spots and $23 to spend. There might be some other cuts coming, but I don't know. Like I, I looked at this roster and I saw a couple of guys. I'm like, eh, I might let them go. But I think the big question here is, you know, clearing out $50 by cutting Ramirez and opening up all that cash to fill up that roster could could be useful. So what, what's your reaction, Pete? Have you looked at this roster? What do you think? Yeah, I did. Um, I looked at it ahead of time and my initial thought was like, I'd want some some better starting pitchers. He definitely has mm-hmm. some names there that uh, we're either a little concerned about or we're not completely convinced, right? He's got uh, Cole Reagans, who we're going to talk about later at a great price, $4. Grayson Rodriguez, $10. Like two guys who could be awesome, but 
might be a little bit of uh, touch and go in the early going. Then there's Joe Ryan, who had that terrible second half after looking amazing in the first half. Was it the groin injury? I don't know. So my thought process was cut Jose Ramirez and get a little bit of a guarantee at the top of the rotation. But up until this point, it doesn't look like there's a whole lot that's going to be available to him in the auction. So maybe this is a case of you hold on to the player and maybe you try to find a trade partner later on. I mean, my gut tells me I would cut Jose Ramirez in this situation. I think the, the offense is plenty good enough. I'd want the flexibility. I just I don't see the pitchers available yet. Yeah, I, I think those pitchers will likely come available in the next couple of days and, and right at the deadline, right? I mean, the reality is these cuts, especially in a league like this league, number 481 has probably been around for quite a few years. These are experienced managers. They're going to wait till that deadline and make those cuts. I, I see a couple other guys here like, I am not a huge Walker Bueller fan at $19. I would rather have that money back as well. Um, but I do think you raised the right issue, which is with this roster, like who's the ace? It might be Grayson Rodriguez. It might be Cole Reagans, but like who's the guy you're leaning on? The challenge for him is uh, third base. I mean, he's going to go into this with his roster right now. He's got Christian Walker at first $6. Great price there. An $11 JD Martinez as his util. Sounds good. Then he's got a middle infield with Bo Bichette, Matt McClain, Mookie Betts, Spencer Steer, and Bryson Stott. Now, he could move Steer to third base, move Betts or Steer to the outfield. Like He's got some flexibility there. And so my take would be, I, I think, aligned with you. Cut Ramirez. I actually I just cut a $50 Ramirez on a team I'm hoping to compete. Uh, but I would cut Ramirez and see if you can... I, I just think he can get away with a less elite third baseman but he needs more pitching and he probably needs another outfielder. The top of his outfield is really good. He's got a, a $63 Acuna. That's fantastic. And a $16 Michael Harris, who's great. And then he's got $7 Kerry Carpenter, who I like. He's got a $6 James Outman, who I'm not super high on, but I get it. He's got a $3 Chaz McCormick, who, again, I, I, I it's a totally useful piece. And that's it. And so he's got some work to do in his outfield and his pitching, and I would use that money to do that. So let's jump to one of the questions from the chat. This one comes from Big Red Rocket. It says, in a startup auto new league, how much would you pay for Ronald Acuna Jr. or Shohei Otani? And these are, they're, they're such different questions, right? Because Acuna is, uh, uh, I mean, right now he looks like he is far and away the best fantasy asset and it literally doesn't matter what format you play. He is just a star. And Otani would be the guy challenging him or not, a, if not above him, if he were healthy and pitching this year. But you sort of assume he's coming back to pitch maybe. So I, I don't know how you look at this one, Pete. What, what are you paying for those two guys? Uh, I didn't see the question in the notes. So is this for what format? He just has a startup auto news. I think it's more generic. Let's okay. assume points. Let's assume points. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, Ron Lacuna Jr. last year was what, like a $100 player or something crazy like that. So, I mean, I'm pretty easily going $70 on him. Um, I did last, I, I spent up for him a ton in our, our uh, podcasters league last season, and it still looks like now I have him at a bargain. So uh, I guess $70 is when I'd start thinking like, all right, it's getting, it's getting appropriately priced, but is this really where I want to start building my team from? Cause I'm only gonna have so much money left over. Otani a little bit different. Um, Obviously, in terms of a baseball player, he's he's the most valuable player in baseball. But with the questions about pitching and, you know, when he does come back and pitches next year, you know, you're not getting any of that value this current season. Instead, you're just getting a really good utility player. So it's all about planning ahead. It's stuff that we've talked about in the past and maybe $60 um, because I feel like he can still be a $60 hitter. And then if he does come back and he's just pitching and he gives you, you know, 120 innings in 2025, well, now he, you have him at a huge bargain. 
Um, I just, I don't know if $60 is going to get it done in a startup. Yeah. So I've got pulled up some data there. There's, you know, the auto news Slack community has been doing some mock drafts and those are all startups. So it's been an interesting way to get some data points and how at least that community, and it is a very specific community. It's, it's not, you know, your general audience. So worth keeping in mind, but average price on Acuna in those drafts, and there've been three of them so far is 71, almost $72. Average price on Otani has been almost $58. And so you're you're right in that right spot of sort of where he belongs and both of those guys. And I think that the the read in Otani is right. I, I'm, I go back and forth on Otani between feeling like, hey, I can get an elite utility player right now at a relatively fair price. Like high 50s is not a bad price for, for what he does offensively. And then if he comes back as an ace again, like you're, you're just, you've got a great, great value for the future. Second significant elbow injury. There's a little bit of risk there. So I, I, I tend to be, I'm trying to be a little cautious, I think, in Otani. And I'm, I'm, I think that range is okay, but I'm likely little, a little below that range on average, just because I'm, I don't know. I, I, I don't, he ties up your utility spot this year, which isn't ideal. And I'm just not that confident that he comes back as a, the full fledged ace he's been next year. So that was another one. That was one from from our listeners. Let's get back to one of the ones we got from Twitter prior to this. This comes from Jeff. Question for the next pod. To what extent does the free agent player pool or other drop players inform your keep or cut decision? So we actually started to talk about this a little bit with the last the last question about that team in League 481 is like you look at the free agents. There's no one there. How much does that change how you think about things, Pete? Do you do you shift up your your cut decisions based on who's out there? I, I can't really say that I do because it's so rare that I actually know who's out there. I mean, in Ot New, you get you can get an idea as teams start to cut players. Um, but a lot of formats, like the one that we're in our two listener leagues on fan tracks, like everybody nobody really cuts anybody. They just select their keepers, then the date passes, and then you know who's available. Right. Um, I think it I think you want to pay attention to position scarcity because things can get really ugly, right? Like we're we're going into this season and the consensus among fantasy podcasts definitely seems to be that like high end starting pitching and outfield feel thin. So if you're in a keeper league and it's like one of our listener leagues where everybody's keeping nine players or can at least keep up to nine players, like you got to understand that outfield is already thin and who knows how thin it is now after this, this deadline. Um, so I can't say that it changes anything, but I'm maybe more aware, more acutely aware of those positions of, of weakness. So I might be more inclined to keep, you know, a Chaz McCormick, over an infielder who I kind of like the value of and maybe like a little bit more just because I'm worried that outfield is going to get a lot thinner and I have McCormick on such a good contract. Yeah, I, I try to take a pass at, across my leagues and see like, who do I think is likely to get cut? You know, in, in an auto new league or a league like that where people are making cuts as the se- offseason goes on, sometimes you can get sort of a little preview of what's going to, what things are going to look like. But I do try to look at like, you know, even like I said, our listener league where people are going to enter their keepers tomorrow and it's just going to suddenly appear <laughs> when the deadline passes. I try to look at that and figure out like, okay, are there, you know, are there going to be any aces out there? Are there going to be any top tier outfielders or third base? I'm like, is there any position I'm really worried about? But the reality is this only really impacts me a little bit. In general, like, if a guy is a good value, I'm going to keep them. And if they're not a good value, I'm going to cut them. Inflation and scarcity play into that because it changes how I value the guy. But unless I go look and I'm like, 
wow, I've got this overpriced, you know, let, let's look at, you know, the, the question we had before with Jose Ramirez. I have an overpriced Jose Ramirez, but literally every third baseman in this league is on a great contract and is an easy keeper or is a low draft round cost and is an easy keeper. That might shift me a little bit, but it's got to be a pretty extreme situation and it doesn't come up very often. Yeah, I mean, it, when we're talking about deep keepers going into the the draft, I mean, we're potentially 100 players or over 100 players are already off the board, right? Like if all 12 teams in those listener leagues keep nine players, over 100 players are off the board, which means we're pretty much right from the first pick in get your guy territory. And I think that's a really hard thing to prepare for based on other people's potential keeper picks. Like you're just going to know like, all right, here are the players available. Here's the guy I'm taking. He might be, you know, Fantrax's or, or ESPN's 14th ranked player among the available players. But that's who I want because, you know, of the circumstances of my team based on the nine other players I already have in my roster. So it's just a really hard thing to prepare for. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. It's it's just I think you can get yourself into trouble making predictions of what's going to happen. And so you do have to be a little careful about that. I, I, I do sometimes like I have a sense of which of my leagues, especially in auto new, like I know that I'm in some leagues where people are going to make really aggressive cuts. And I know I'm in some leagues where people are going to keep everybody. And that'll sometimes change my thinking on like inflation, things like that. But yeah, if, if you start making trying to guess what people are going to do and you guess wrong, things could get ugly fast. So another question from somebody in the chat on the, the live cast here. Uh, this comes from Black Sox. How do you value prospects for a new auto new league? So this is, you know, not year three, year four, year two. It's like first year auto new league. How are you thinking about prospects? Pete, what where do you go on this? <laughs> This is like our question, Chad, man. This is uh, <laughs> this is one we keep circling around. And for for folks who don't know, Chad and I usually usually see, you know, eye to eye on this one. And uh, it sounds obvious, but it's all about their proximity to the major leagues, right? Because every year you keep a guy, um, he's going to go up by a dollar if he doesn't reach the major league. So you might have, you know, I've, I've been holding on to Marcelo Mayer now for a couple seasons in the keeper cut listener league got new. And at first I was like, awesome. I got this guy with so much upside for like a dollar or whatever it was. He's already up to $4. You know, he's coming off a shoulder injury. He had a terrible second half last year. So it's like, am I going to keep or cut this guy? And I, I invested resources in him over the last few years. So, you know, if it's a player who we all expect to be there opening day, I mean, Jackson holiday, junior Caminero, Wyatt Langford, those kinds of names, like I'm paying up especially Langford with with outfield being what it is and, and Churio as well. I'm paying up for them. I, I expect to have them soon. But if we're talking real long term guys, um, you know, your single A players, high, whatever it is, I I just don't I don't have a lot of interest. Maybe if it's at the very end of an auction and I know I can get this player for a dollar, maybe he moves quickly. Sure. But unless there's a clear path to playing time within the next, let's call it season. I just I, I don't have a lot of interest. If I miss out, I miss out. It is what it is. Yeah, I I generally agree. I'm a little bit less prospect happy than the average auto new player. And so in general, my take on prospects is I want a guy who is like, I want guys who are going to be up this year and ideally early this year. Or if it's going to be a guy who's late this year or maybe next year, they better be an elite prospect at a low cost, right? That That's sort of where I'm looking at this. But looking at prospects, I mentioned those mock drafts before. Guys like Lankford, Holiday, Churio, Caminero, they are all going like $16 or $17 in these startup mocks. And that is, for my money, that's just too much. I think they're, I get why people think they're worth that. If you look at their ADP on, you know, on fan tracks, something like that, like it matches. It's, they are, 
These are expensive players to buy into, particularly in keeper leagues. They are just so much riskier than other guys you can get for the same money. And I want to win now. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't want to be building for the future. And on top of that, I think with a guy like, you know, let's say you spend 18 bucks on holiday um, or Langford or any of those guys, like if they're good, they're good. But an $18 value on them is actually a good outcome, right? If they turn into a solid $20 player, that's a good outcome for them. And you have no surplus built up in them for next year. If they turn it, you know, if they, if they're Corbin Carroll and they turn into a $40 player, great. Now you've won, you've won the lottery and that's awesome. That's fantastic. Outcome. You're much more likely to end up with a guy who's, you're, they're a $20 player. You're really happy with that. Or they struggle and they turn out to be like more like a $10 player, which is still a good outcome, but you're underwater with them off the bat. And so like, th- this is maybe a bad example because these prices are from before today when the, the news of Colt Keith signing broke, but like Colt Keith was going for six bucks. I would much rather be paying for him at six bucks. Now his price is going to go up because he basically just locked in an opening day job, but that's the kind of area where I want to be playing is a prospect who I think could be up opening day, could be up close to opening day, has that elite upside, but is in the like under $10 range. That's that's my jam. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't push back on that because, you know, I want to say things that I'd actually do. And I, I don't know if I'd go up to $18 on Wyatt Langford. Right. Um, but at least it makes sense yeah. to me based on proximity. I think something that really matters here that we should say before we move on to the next question catchers and pitchers can kick rocks like i have absolutely no interest <laughs> in stashing like you can offer me your four dollar salas who's like 17 years old i have absolutely no interest in those two positions stashing them long term it's got to be a position player and it can't be a catcher yeah I, I think that's true i think you know pitchers who are going to be up soon is a different story but yeah i mean pitchers and catchers who are more than a few months away I, it's just, there's too much risk there. I'm totally with you on that. Let's take another question from the chat. This one was funny. I started reading this and I was like, oh, this league sounds like really familiar. It's, it's from someone in one of our listener leagues. So, uh, Ken Will Jr. in our listener league two, no, listener league one, I believe the one that's got the deadline tomorrow says gets to keep nine keepers plus two round keeper costs. So, you know, get a guy in the 25th round last year. He cost you a 23rd to keep this year. It's five by five roto, but it's on base percentage and innings pitched instead of average and wins. Wants to know, keep a seventh round Yoan Duran as his only closer or a 21st round Christian Encarnacion strand. Ooh, that's an interesting one. Pete, you're you're really the, the pitching guy in the show, so <laughs> I'm gonna turn Don't put it over that to you. On me. Um <laughs> I I even though there are playtime concerns, I think I'm keeping Christian Encarnacion Strand here. Um, I really like John Duran. Um, rostered him last year in quite a few leagues. Obviously, the stuff is nasty, but like you're, it's not a whole lot of value there. I mean, you're getting him for a seventh round cost, and I imagine that's where he's going in drafts. I, I'd have to look. I know he's a higher end closer, but he's not. You know, he's not Devin Williams yet. Um, so I, I get it. You want to make sure you get saves and all that kind of stuff. I thought about doing that with a super expensive Jordan Romano in one of my Ot new leagues, and thankfully, I decided not to do that. I'm not going to stress about saves. They always come up during the season. Instead, you have the chance to potentially get a really elite keeper in Christian Encarnacion on strand at a 21st round pick. Um, so I think that's that's where I'd go, but I totally understand asking the question. Yeah, I, I think I'm aligned. I'm like, I'm not in that league going to keep an eighth round Paul Seawald. 
And I think uh, Durant is better than Seawald, right? I'm not, I'm not going to argue that, but it gives you a sense of sort of where I am on this. I think for me, th- there's another factor here, which is if you look forward a year from now, there's no world in which I'm going to be keeping a fifth round Durant next year. Right. A 19th round Encarnacion Strand could be a huge value next year and 17th round the year after that and 15th round the year. Like you could be looking at a guy that's on your roster for a long time. On top of that, I think if you're wrong about him, the cost is pretty low. Your 21st round pick wasn't going to be that good anyways. And so it's not just Duran versus CES. It's it's Encarnacion Strand and a seventh round pick, whoever you're going to get in that seventh round versus Duran and whoever you're going to get in the 21st. And I think from that perspective, I, I got to go with the bat for sure. Let's jump back to some of the questions we got ahead of time because we got one that you you teased earlier and it came up on the last panel. They talked about uh, second half breakouts in the last panel. They talked about Cole Reagans, who is the, the breakyoutiest of the second half breakouts and talked to Nick on the, the conference yesterday. So hopefully you guys caught that. But we got a question from Godzilla on the Auto News Slack. $11 Justin Steele or $9 Cole Reagans in Fangraphs points. And uh, this is a tough one for me. And Pete, you and I sort of bandied about some thoughts on this earlier, and I think we may come down on different sides of it. Yeah, yeah. Based on the notes, I, I think we will. Um, I do want to preface it with the the classic like cop out, right? Where so much of this matters of who are your other keepers? Because if I'm also keeping like Tyler Glasnow and Walker Bueller, then I kind of want Justin Steele. Because I think he's definitely a safer pitcher, um, whereas Cole Reagan, smaller sample, Tommy John, all that stuff. So I'll preface it with that. I think in a vacuum, I think I want Reagan's and especially the $2 over Steel, uh, a show that I'm sure everybody here is very familiar with. I love the show, reference it all the time. Fantasy Baseball Today, um, Scott White talks a lot about the glob, right, in starting pitchers. And I don't want to piss off Cubs fans. I'm not necessarily suggesting that like Justin Steele is just your average pitcher. He's not. He's very good. But I think no one's going to be surprised, right? If Justin Steele is just a fine starter, he makes his 28 starts, has around a three and a half ERA, and he's he's good. You know, gets a fair amount of wins. He's a decent team. I think there's serious upside with Cole Reagans. I think everybody associated with pitcherless seems to think there's a ton of upside with Cole Reagans. I mean, just look at the difference in swing strike rate between these two players. Um, Reagans is up over 14%. Justin Steele is, is I believe, below league average. He's around like 11.4 or something like that. Um, I think... Reagan's has the upside to be elite and Steele has the floor to definitely be very good. And so what are your other decisions that you're making there? If you can take on a little bit more risk or a lot more risk, go with Reagan's. If you feel like I can't take on a lot of risk, I do have my glass now or my Bueller just to use the same two names I referenced before, then yeah, I'll, I'll keep Steele and, and make sure I got my 140 to 80 innings or whatever it is of, of about three and a half ERA and feel pretty good about that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think I, I'm working on my my rankings. I've been posting my tiered positional rankings over at Fangraphs over the last week, and I got a couple more spots to finish up. I'm working on starting pitching. I have Steele higher than Reagan's, but not by enough that that two dollars really matters. If that makes sense, like it's they're just sort of they're close enough that I would. I wouldn't worry much about the $2. I'm going to take the guy I like better. I think your point about like, how does the, how does this pitcher fit in with the rest of your group is a, a good question. However, I'm still taking steel. I, I do think it's, it is accurate to say, I think that, you know, steel's projections around 17, $18 and he's probably safe to be around there, but unlikely to be 35, 
whereas Reagan's projections are more like twelve to thirteen dollars. And if he was thirty dollars or zero dollars, neither one of those would be totally shocking. I, I, you know, I'd be a little shocked if he was zero, but you get the idea. But even if I look at just second half numbers, and that was what you know, that's Reagan's his last twelve starts with Kansas City, making that star turn, turning into the the guy that has impressed everybody and has us talking about him. Um, Steele had the better XFIP and the better strikeout rate minus walk rate. He's got a better track record, at least a longer one. Um, Reagan's was better down the stretch overall, but there was a big benefit that he had versus Steele in BAPIP and home run per fly ball rate. His BAPIP was fine. I think it was 280 something. There wasn't anything crazy, but his home run per fly ball rate was like 5%. It was super deflated. Playing in Kaufman helps with that, but it's still not going to stay that low. Steele had a really high backup and a really high home run per fly ball rate down the stretch. I don't think that those are issues for him. They're not things that have been issues for him historically. I don't expect them to continue to be issues for him. And so I look at that and I'm like, man, I, I kind of think the underlying numbers for Steele were better, even when Reagan's was, even if we're only looking at the best part of Reagan's season. And so I, I have to lean that way and, and go with him, especially considering he's, He's the safer bet. The the interesting trade-off here on that last panel, if you guys, for people who are listening to that, they talked about how they really want to see more than half a season of data before buying in on someone. But there's risk there because if you wait for that more than half a season, now you're, you're late buying in. Somebody's going to take the plunge earlier. In redraft, that doesn't matter a ton. Like you miss out on a guy, you miss out on a guy. There is a much bigger value in taking that plunge early on a guy like Reagan's in a keeper league. Because if you're right, then you you have him for years at a good cost. I I still think in this case, the cost is locked in. It's either a $9 Reagans or an $11 steal. I'm going to take, I'm going to spend the extra $2 to get the guy I'm more confident in that I actually think was better anyways. And I, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I mean, it, there's no question. If you're going Reagans here, it's it's a little bit of a leap of faith. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, that Steel definitely has the safer floor. I would kind of caution against waiting for like such a substantial sample size for pitchers because it is just such a volatile position, particularly the last few years where like there's not a lot of players with the same amount of upside as Cole Reagan's that the stuff yeah. is disgusting. Um, we, we saw it for, for a stretch last season, as you were referencing, it was very, very good. And I understand, you know, Steele definitely had the better number. He has elite command and Steele did have a great season, but you have to ask yourself, like, is there another level to Steele? Because there's definitely another level to Cole Reagan's that he could potentially tap into. And that's that's ultimately the the roll of the dice that you're taking there, that he's going to step forward more than he did last season. So just basing it on that sample could be could be a mistake. Yeah, I, I'm not sure I believe that he's going to step forward beyond what he did last year in those last 12 starts. I think it's more of a can he sustain? I mean, he was really, really good during those 12 starts, right? So like this isn't some like, oh, he was a middling pitcher and how much better. Like, no, he was like an elite ace for for 12 starts down the stretch i don't think there's another level there i think it's much more of a like will he or won't he sustain it and the reality is he could take a big step back from that and still be super valuable so like i'm not i'm not downgrading reagan's i'm not low on reagan's i just i was surprised a little bit to see that i thought that that i liked what i saw from steel better when i dug into the numbers than i than i did from reagan's and so that's that's the thing there yeah, I, I guess the question is, you know, is is the step forward actually doing it for a complete season? Like, is that something that comes in the form of a, of longevity? And yep. I mean, if he did that for even 
let's say he's hurt all of April and just does it for May through September. He's, I think he's going to be way higher than steel on any, any play rater out there. So yeah. it's, a, it's a great Maybe. question. Yeah. So let's go back to a question from the chat. We got a question from, I guess, Farks P H A R X. How do you factor inflation into keeper salary auctions? There will still be $1 players. So do you allocate most of the keeper savings to top end players? It's a 12 team head to head five by five with 30 player rosters. Uh, I, I'm going to go go after this one first. I we've talked about this on the show before, and it, it's something I think a lot about. Uh, yes, there will still be one dollar players, right? And we talked about this with drafts as well. Like the guys you take in the last round are still the guys you take in the last round. They do get inflated because a lot of people don't have last round picks, so those guys get you know in a draft, those guys get taken in the the 25th round instead of the 30th round or something like that. But yeah, at the end of the day, the one dollar guy is still going to go for one dollar for the most part. What I would say is I always expect inflation to be highest on the top end guys however we had an episode boy three four weeks ago something like that uh pete it was the one you were you were away for this one and i had a couple of guys justin vibber and adam sharf came on the show and there was a whole conversation about how like inflation at least in auto new leagues is not as concentrated at the top as you might expect and his argument, Adam's argument was actually like, we are undervaluing those top guys. We should be putting more inflation on them. Um, I realize I'm talking through this inflation for those who aren't maybe familiar with the concept. The idea here is once people keep guys, the guys they keep are undervalued at some level, whether it's their draft capital or their auction costs, like you're putting less, less money behind that player than they are worth, which means there is more money available to spend at the auction than there is talent available which means that that money gets concentrated higher on these players, right? So like uh, if you had, you know, a guy who was $10 might cost 15 because I have $15 to spend and there's nowhere else to spend it. So I'm going to, I'm going to use it here. Um, so yeah, that, that's sort of what that is. I, I think what I see in practice is that the bottom end guys inflation is pretty stable and low top end guys. It's not low, but it isn't as high as it could be. And there's a chunk in the middle where inflation tends to be highest. And I think if I'm, as I'm planning for auctions this year, one of the things I'm trying to be more aware of and more cognizant of is I think I should concentrate my dollars at the top. I would rather pay the inflated cost for Acuna or for uh, Betts or for Jordan Alvarez or someone like that than get stuck paying an inflated cost for like a $15 to $20 guy that is more middling. Yeah, this is a this is a pretty easy one because I'm just gonna agree 100 with that. I'd, <laughs> I'd rather just go right after those top guys. Be, ha, they're like a mercenary, right? Have them for a year. Yeah. If they're still way too much, you just cut them, move on, turn the page. I'm not gonna do that for players that I might cut during the season, which would be a disaster. Yeah. The other thing I'll, I'll note on this, and I, I've talked about this on the show before as well, is that I use two different inflation assumptions during the off season. One I use for making keep and cut decisions, and it's on the low end. Because what I don't want to do is think like, oh man, there's gonna be 30 or 40% inflation. I'm gonna have to pay way up for this guy. So I better keep him now. I don't I don't want to do that. I want to assume a lower inflation cost and sort of bump up what who I'm willing to keep but not go crazy. But when I'm planning for the auction, I assume a much higher inflation rate so that I budget appropriately. Because the other end, what I don't want to do is go into the auction and be like, oh, you know, Acuna should be $70. He'll probably go for 80. And instead he goes for 90. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, I'm, I'm out on all the top guys because I assumed inflation would be lower than it is. 
So I try to just, you know, if I'm budgeting for my team, take a higher number into the auction thinking like, if I want this guy, it's going to cost me 50% inflation. If it turns out to be 30 to 40% inflation, hey, I can still buy that guy. I can save some money and I can reallocate that elsewhere. So that's sort of how I think about inflation in, in terms of auctions and keepers. Uh, let's jump to another one. We've got this one is from CB Hagen. Uh, who should I keep? League is head-to-head, 10-team, 5x5 categories with OBP and quality starts. There's a two-round price hike each year. He can keep one of the following. 24-round Nolan Jones, 21st-round CJ Abrams, 24th-round Yuri Perez, 17th-round Grayson Rodriguez. Also, how do you generally value hitters versus pitchers in keeper leagues? Uh I mean, I, I can I can already see you eyeing a 17th round Grayson Rodriguez because I know how you feel about him. So <laughs> is that um, where you're going, Pete? I think I think I'm going 20. You like all rounds. these guys. I, these are I all guys you're high on. <laughs> I, not Nolan Jones, not as much. I mean, we, we can talk about that later. I, I think at this price, yes, I'm I'm 100 all in on Nolan Jones. At the price he's going lately in drafts, uh, it's a little too little too pricey for me. Um, I do love CJ Abrams 21st round value. I think that's so good. I mean, he, he finally started running. It's all he had to do. He just started running. Uh, we've been waiting for it. Just please start running. And he did. And he was amazing. Um, so if he's able to keep that up, obviously 21st round value would be great, but you know, I've been talking about high end pitching and how it's hard to find. And Yuri Perez, man, if you can get him for a 24th rounder and that just goes up to a 22 next year and then a 20th and on and on. Like I, I, him and Grayson Rodriguez, I'd take either. But if you're going to give me seven rounds of value on Yuri Perez, I think that's where that's where I'm going with this one. Yeah. I mean, if, if you go just based on ADP, and I'm looking at Fantrax ADP right now, and keeping in mind that ADP does a bad job of handling like on base percentage, right? Because it's it's just any kind of league. Um, that Nolan Jones is the biggest value gap between what he will cost you here and what he would cost you at a draft. I think I'm with you though, that he's also a little bit riskier than the pitchers in this case, which seems weird because I think one of the questions here is how do you generally value hitters versus pitchers and keeper leagues? And I like Pete and I talk about this all the time. I, I favor hitters. They are more stable. They are more predictable. I, I would rather spend on a hitter than on, a guy who might need Tommy John surgery tomorrow, right? Like that's just that's just sort of where I go. In this case, I don't know. I I could see Abrams being in that that camp, but Jones, like he had a super high bat pip last year. He doesn't have a super long track record. There's a lot of strikeouts. Like I like Nolan Jones. I have him on a bunch of rosters. I do think, as you said, his ADP right now is just his draft cost is too high. It should be lower than it is. But I do like him at a 24th round cost. That's that's great. But boy, Yuri Perez, I I, I just feel like he is um health aside, because health of pitcher is always a thing. I just think he is less likely than Jones to like crash and burn. And so for me, this comes down to a question of do I think Yuri Perez and Grayson Rodriguez are similarly productive, or do I think Grayson Rodriguez is a meaningfully better pitcher? And I'm a little bit torn on that, but I think it's torn. And I think it's torn enough that that seven round value, I think you're right. That's probably where I go is with the 24th round Perez. Yeah, the, the strikeouts haven't arrived yet for Rodriguez. I'm confident they'll come. But like seven rounds, is that's significant. Like if this is two years every year, Yuri's not going to cost 
earlier than that for another like five seasons. Um, you, you had a lot of runway before uh, Yuri's value or round cost would match what Grayson's is today. And Nolan Jones, the, the zone contact was well below league average. The strikeout rate was almost 30%. Like, look, I, I get it. He's in cores, stole a ton of bases. The barrel rate's crazy, but that's that's a huge leap of faith for me um, where he's going yeah. ADP-wise. And if I could have Yuri at the same cost and a keeper, I'm, I'm going to take Yuri Perez. Makes sense to me. Uh, let's go back to one of the questions we got on Twitter. This one comes from Kevin Conlin. Auto New Fangraphs Points League says, with Reese Hoskins signing somewhere he should play a lot and not a bad park for him, which is true. Are you keeping or cu- who are you keeping or cutting out of a $32 Pete Alonso, $18 Reese Hoskins, or a $10 Vinny Pass? He says, I realize Hoskins is probably the cut. I asked the question because I think $18 might be a reasonable price and I might have more success shopping past Contino to try and upgrade elsewhere. This is a really interesting one. One of the things that's sort of fascinating about this is that Fangraph's points, because stolen bases aren't a factor, because it's more OBP-based than average-based, strikeouts don't really hurt you. I mean, they hurt you as a hitter anyways, but they don't hurt you especially much in this format. These guys are all a little bit more, all three of these guys are more valuable in this format than they are in most others. Uh, And so that, that does sort of shape things a little bit. Pete, are you... Are you cutting Hoskins? You cutting someone else? You shopping Hoskins? Like, what, what's your plan? Yeah, this is it's like keep cut or shop. Um, and I think that that fits the bill for all three of these guys. I'm going to keep Pete Alonso. Of course, I am. Um, what what you saw Matt Olson do last season? Maybe not the combined runs and RBI, just because of the lineup context. But Pete, Ol- uh, Pete Olson, <laughs> Pete Alonso is just as capable of putting up such a season. So uh, I, I'm going to hold on to him here. Hoskins, I'm going to cut. It's just too pricey after so much missed time. Uh, you know, new ballpark, all that kind of stuff. Although maybe that contract wasn't nothing. Maybe that they feel they clearly feel pretty good about him um, over the next two seasons. But it's too pricey for me. I'm cutting him, and I'm going to try and shop uh, Vinny P for sure. And I'll, I'll shop Alonzo as well if somebody wants to give me a ton for him. I think I'd be okay having Vinny P take over first base. Maybe get a little backup in the auction. But um, I'm keeping Alonzo. I'm cutting Hoskins, and I'm shopping Vinny P. Yeah, I think I, I'm generally with you. I'm just, I think I'm just keeping Alonzo and Vinny. And, and the reason for that for me is I think they're both good values. I think they're both good prices. And you can play them both, right? You have a utility spots. You can, you can get both of these guys in your lineup. If Vinny isn't hitting that $10 hit, just like it, it doesn't hurt that bad to have to cut a $10 Vinny Pascantino if he turns into a cut. But if he breaks out the way he's capable of, now you've got two potentially top-tier first basemen. You have an option to trade one of them, to cut one of them next season. Like fi- You can figure that out when the time comes. Uh, it's it's really, a, I think, a good place to be. Um, I, I would actually, what I would do if I were this team is I would cut Hoskins, and then I would, at auction, look for another option at Util who is cheap. Someone that is, someone with a... Ideally, a high floor who, if Pascantino is really not cutting it, you could just like slot them into the lineup and it would be fine. You'd lose something, but not a ton. Um, but I, I would keep both these guys and like, look, if you come out of the auction and you're like, wow, it turns out I have three great utility slash first base guys, trade one of them later. Like, you can always trade. Like, if Vinny Pascantino is hitting in April and you don't have room for him in your lineup because you have somebody else at your utility spot. A $10 Vinny Pascantino in April who's hitting the ball is going to get you a huge return, right? So 
I would wait and shop them then. Um, I would take offers now, but I'm not aggressively shopping either any of these guys. I guess I would shop Hoskins before I cut him, but I don't think you're going to get a lot for an $18 Hoskins. No, you're Let's not getting anything for an $18 Hoskins. No. Let's get back to uh, another question from somebody watching live. This comes from S Malone 17 five by five head to head league with quality starts and OPS instead of. So it's quality starts instead of wins OPS instead of average on OBP OPS get to keep four. Three of his keepers are Corbin Carroll, Pete Alonzo, Matt McLean. That is uh yeah, I would keep those guys. And the last spot is between Yuri Perez or Bobby Miller. Who should I keep? There's no mention of cost here, so I'm assuming there is no cost here. Um, uh, yeah, I, this. I think I know who I would take. <laughs> who, who are you taking, Pete? Wow, what a what a tough, brutal position to be in to choose between these two awesome young pitchers. Um, I'm going with Yuri Perez. I I love both of them. I have nothing bad to say about either of them. Um, I was a little surprised when draft season picked up at Bobby Miller's cost, uh, but. The more I've thought about it, the more we've gotten into draft season. And I know some folks aren't even in draft season yet, but um, kind of makes sense. But Yuri Perez, I just think there's there's almost no ceiling on this player. Uh, so I am I am all in on Yuri Perez as your fourth keeper there. Yeah, I, I also think there's there's a a small but meaningful difference in organizations there. And it's not that either of these are bad organizations for pitchers. They're both very good ones. The Marlins have shown a little bit more of a propensity to let guys throw a lot of innings, right? To go deeper into games, to throw, make more starts. Whereas the Dodgers seem to be lining up a like 18 man rotation. So they can keep guys going in and out. And so I do think there's going to be a little bit more value upside on the other hand. And the other piece of this is it's quality starts, not wins. So if the Marlins don't get another bat and don't hit the ball at all, it does not matter. Um, that could make it like, I think in wins versus quality starts, Miller gets a, a boost that, that Perez doesn't. But it's quality starts that helps. I actually think like there's an interesting question here of whether Matt McLean should be an assumed keeper or whether you Agreed. should keep both those pitchers. Mm-hmm. I, as I mentioned before, I tend to index on keeping bats over arms. And so if given only a keep four, and given that your your top two keepers, by the way, are an outfielder and a corner infielder, keeping a middle infielder a corner infielder, a middle infielder, an outfielder, and a pitcher is a nice way to start your your roster, and so I like that piece of it. But I think it's I think it's worth considering whether McLean is a better keeper than Miller if if you're keeping Perez. I agree a ton with that. I mean, look, I I like Matt McLean, and it seems like you get to keep him for free, so that's totally fine. But I would not press anybody for uh, keeping Bobby Miller over him. The BABIP, the strikeout rate, everything like that. There could be a potential significant step back for Matt McLean this season. I feel like we're looking at him in draft season. A lot of people are just looking at him through those rose-colored glasses. There are some warts um, that uh, I'd be a little little worried about. Bobby Miller has a lot of pedigree, more than Matt McLean. Yeah. So let's go back to, we had a question earlier that we talked about from Big Red Rocket. And Big Red had another question for us. Do you prefer a stars slash scrubs approach in an auction? Or do you prefer a more balanced approach? I got to be honest, my answer to this is sort of like, yes, <laughs> I, I do right. sometimes prefer one and sometimes the other. But Pete, what, what's your thoughts on this? Yeah, I, I can't say that I ever go into any auction fa- like knowing I'm going to do one strategy. 
Um, it worked out in that re- league I referenced earlier, the Podcasters League. That was like the most expensive player I had ever purchased. It was like Ronald Acuna Jr. for, I don't know, I'm going to make up the price, like $63. And like at that point, you're kind of forced into, all right, I'm going to have potentially some stars and I'm going to potentially have some scrubs. So it's one of those things where I don't, I don't go into auctions thinking I'm doing one strategy or another. I'm looking for deals as they come up. I'm trying to be flexible within the auction um, and, and ultimately just come out with the most well-rounded roster. I mean, ideally, I want what I just said. I want a well-rounded roster. So I guess if I prefer one, it's not to overindulge on you know three or four studs and then have to wait for an hour and a half in the auction so that I can start buying your your Nick Pavettas and whatnot, not to fire shots at Nick Pavetta there. But um, So I guess I prefer balanced, but I don't know if Acuna is there or Julio Rodriguez is there. And I'm like, wait a second, they're about to go for 60 bucks. Like, I'm going to I'm going to get this player. But now all of a sudden I've kind of committed a little bit to a strategy. It's only one player, but there goes, you know, almost 10 percent, 15 percent of my of my budget. Yeah, I think where I where I come out on this tends to be that I rarely end up doing a true stars and scrubs because I I go that route when I feel like I have enough inexpensive but viable talent to go that route so as an example um auto new league 670 it's a a saber points league i am in that league keeping a 69 dollar acuna a 68 dollar soto and a 39 dollar devers that is uh that is a, a stars and scrubs start if i ever heard one but it's because i have Cheap Garver and Moreno at catcher. I have a cheap Christian Walker that I can plug in at first base. My middle infield of Steer, Horner, and Gorman is all relatively expensive. And then behind Acuna and Soto, I've got a bunch of sub $10 guys or $10 or less guys in Fraley, Kepler, Newt Bar, Friedel, uh, Lamont Wade Jr., Kerry Carpenter, Jaron Duran. Like I have a whole roster of, of relatively low price guys. My, I, my, Rotation includes Framber Valdez, George Kirby, and Max Fried all at $20. Pablo Lopez at 15, Kyle Bradish at like four or five or something like that. Like, so am I going stars and scrubs? Yes, from the perspective that I paid up a ton for three elite players and then I'm gonna have to figure out how to fit things around that. But like that's not a roster of scrubs, right? It's it's it works because I was able to build up a young core that I could that I could a cheap core, anyways, that I could go with big names around in a startup auction. I tend to think that in my experience in startup auctions, those top players tend to be too expensive. And I find I can build a better, more well-rounded roster by playing a tier down or a couple tiers down from that. And instead of getting two studs and then have to go cheap, I can get six guys in the next tier and, and be better situated. So I, that's that's sort of how I typically would do it, but I'm my goal is when anytime I'm in a, in a like a keeper auction league, my goal is to build a cheap enough core that I can go stars and scrubs without the scrubs being scrubs. If that makes sense, <laughs> yes, stars and scrubs is excellent when you actually don't have the scrubs. It it turns that's out right. it's pretty good. It works. Yeah, it does, and that but that's it. That's the goal in these leagues, at least for me. That's <laughs> have the goal. no scrubs. <laughs> have no scrubs. Uh, yeah. So we had another question come in from Farks. Would you keep Devin Williams at eight dollars last season? I this is the last season he can keep Williams over Matt McLean at ten dollars 
or Nolan Jones at $10 in a five by five. McLean and Jones can both be kept in 2025 for $12 as well. But as I said before, Williams, this is it. So I, I mean, for me, this is like, we can talk about McLean and Jones. We've had a couple of questions about them already. So we can, we can talk a little bit more about them, but like, I'm not keeping one year of Devin Williams versus two years of those guys that like, I'm going to take one of the hitters. Yeah, I, I kind of expected that to be your response. Um, it's always my response, right? <laughs> I I think I I think I would maybe need more context. Like, if there are not going to be closers available, and this is a five by five roto, like you you need saves. The idea of punting categories, it just like you need so much to go right to punt a category. Um, and so, if this is like you know, if this is a fourteen team nine keeper, and the best closer available is going to be you know whoever is closing games for the Nationals, like. I, I'm I want to win, man, and I'm I'm going to keep Devin Williams because he's not just a closer; he's arguably the top closer in fantasy. If yeah. this is a you know twelve team keep five or something like that, I, there's no chance I'm keeping Devin Williams over over McLean or Jones because that the turnover value, like the, the ability to find a closer during the season, is it's just going to be there. And at the end of the day, it's a category you just need to find saves. It doesn't have to be elite Devin Williams. It's nice when it is. You you, you get contributions here and there in the other categories. But you just need to find that number. You just need to find those saves. Maybe that comes in the form of Carlos Estevez, you know, pitcher list warrior uh, from last season. Um, it comes in the form of some guy you just find and scoop cheap. Nolan Jones or Matt McClain, as much as I'm not that big of a fan of them at those prices, sure. And they offer obviously a lot more long-term value because you can actually keep them further than this season. But I need a little bit more context, I guess. Yeah, and I, the other thing that's missing here is whether it's head to head or roto. He says five by five, but if it's five to five, five by five head to head, that I'm pushes me even more towards the hitters because then yeah. it's like if I don't get saves, I don't get saves. I'll just punt saves. It, you can't really punt saves. You know, I should say that. In, in my experience in roto, you can punt so far as saying, "Look, I'm just going to aim for middle of the pack in this category." You can't fully punt and be like, yeah, I'm going to finish dead last and saves get zero and still think you're going to contend for the league. And that, that's so, always how I interpret punting. So I, yeah, yeah. If you're going to target middle of the pack, that's to me, that's not punting. That's fine. You're, no. you're just going to be fine finishing fifth and saves. You can still win. But I think if that's your plan, then it does get into the question that you were asking before of like, is this a 14 team keep 10 league or is it a 10 team keep four league? Like that's a really different question, but I think you can let Williams go and still get enough saves in most formats. You can let Williams go and get enough saves, but I, I'm still going with the hitter. But I think what what Pete's saying is right, and 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 you know, look at your league settings and get a sense. This is where you know, we got that question before of like, do you look at who's being cut or who's being dropped or who's going to be available? Like, this is a, a good example of where you could hit an extreme where it's like there will be no saves available. It's Williams or nothing. And if it's that, then you probably have to keep Williams and that that's okay. But it's it's not my first choice. Not my first choice. So we got just a few minutes left here. I uh, got a question here from Tim Kanak. Tim hosts the Fantasy Aceball podcast. I was just on that a couple days ago. Uh, yesterday, actually, it just posted. We talked some auto news stuff. But he sent us a, a question on Twitter, said, I just dropped a $21 Shane McClanahan and it was tough, but I need the cash. How do you weigh holding injured guys through a season and what kind of value hits should they take? Uh, I I mean, I'm I'm cutting a $21 McClanahan without a second thought. Yeah, no, that would have been 
I, I would have cut him a long time ago. <laughs> Rip the Band-Aid off, man. It's it's devastating. We all love watching him pitch. He's awesome. But $21 is just way, way too much money um, to just be sitting for who knows how long because he's not going to pitch this season. And then it's the freaking raise. Who knows what his what are you going to give us 70 innings in 2025? Like I'm not I'm not holding a $21 Shane McClanahan. No chance. His, no. his average his average price in those mocks I mentioned before, and granted, those are first year leagues. It's a little bit different than you know, he'd, he'd be more expensive in a in a keeper, like a, a multi-year league, a third year, second, whatever. But in the first year, he's going for four dollars on average in those drafts. Um, I actually think that's low. I would pay higher than four dollars to stash McClanahan, but just as a, a another point of comparison, the average price in those drafts for Walker Bueller is around fifteen dollars. Now, McClanahan is better than Bueller. Um, I'm not actually a particularly big fan of Walker Bueller, so to me, that fifteen dollars is too high. But like, if fifteen dollars is what I think is too high for Bueller, and I think McClanahan is better than Bueller, that suggests to me that twenty, maybe up to twenty five dollars, is what McClanahan's going to go for next year. I won't have right? it anywhere then. We'll see. I, I would guess it's that. But even if you're looking at that thinking, yeah, I want a $20 McClanahan next year, you don't need to pay $21 for him now. And even if you think like $21, he'll be $23 next year, I want him at $23 to $25 next year. I don't want to tie up $21 in this season That's so to much. get market price on him next year. It's just not worth it. Um, and so I, I think he's an easy drop. I think like... We've had this kind of conversation. I actually talked to to Tim a little bit about this on his pod the other day with Brandon Woodruff. They had a seventeen dollars Brandon Woodruff in that podcast. Oh, see you later. League, and they were debate. Uh, yeah, it's like no, forget it. Like no, not with that injury. No way. No, I'm, I'm not right. I'm not spending two dollars on him in at auction. No. I'm not doing it. So I, I think at the end of the day, when it comes down to the the broader question here, how do I think about injured guys, especially with pitchers, where an injury likely means their season is lost, which is what we're dealing with with probably Woodruff and definitely McClanahan. I'm just like, I don't know, McClanahan, because of what the injury is, because of what we can expect to come back, I might spend five, six bucks. Woodruff, given the uncertainty and the type of injury and stuff like that, I'm probably not spending anything. But like, I am going way under what I expect them to go for next year, right? If if I'm going to pay for McClanahan or someone like that this year, they better be cheap enough that I have no debates or conversations or questions or anything next year. There shouldn't be any like, ooh, He's going for like 20 and I'd have to keep him at 21 or he's going for 20 and I have to keep him at 15. Like, no, no, no. I want to know that when I go into drafts next year, it's like, yeah, I have him for eight bucks instead of the, you know, I paid six this year. I keep him for eight next year. And I don't, it doesn't matter what the Rays are planning. It doesn't matter if he's still going to miss a little bit of the start of next season. Like none of that matters at $8. He's an easy keep if he's pitching. That's what I want his price to be. So that that's how I'm looking at those injured guys. Yeah, and I, I'd add on to that outside of auction formats this is a great time to remind folks and Chad, we've talked about this a lot because especially because of the keeper leagues that we are in together, um, targeting those guys who are out for the season in your drafts, like your last round pick, especially if you have IL spots. Oh, man, that is that's where it's at. That's why, you know, you in, in Roto League one have that super cheap class now, or you had that super cheap class now. Yeah. I mean, these are guys who are going to miss the season, so you can basically get them for free, and then all of a sudden you wait a year later, and it's a massive bargain. So will I have Shane McClanahan in some of my drafts, not auctions? Sure, especially if I have IL spots. Yeah, if I can keep him for 2025 at a 22nd round pick or 24th round pick or whatever it is, I'm all in on that. But I'm, I'm not. if it's going to cost me at all this year, no, not happening. 
Fair enough. Uh, I think we are we are basically at our hour here, so I'm, I'm expecting Miles wow. to just appear, and there he is. That was so fast. Well, I you know listening to what you guys were just talking about with with injured pitchers, especially, I I was dying to ask you guys. I mean, Clayton Kershaw, we're all expecting great things from him this year, right? Like he's fine, right? He's totally fine. He's gonna pitch. He's uh, a guy. I actually <laughs> I would take late in. Like maybe not in a draft unless I have IL spots, but like for a dollar at the end of an auto new auction, if he's going cheap, I would grab him because like I'm not going to doubt Clayton Kershaw, right? <laughs> of all guys, it's like if he says he's going to pitch this year, it may not be till August, but like you feel like he's going to show up, and when he shows up, everyone's going to be like, oh, I don't know if he's going to be ready, bubble, and, he, and then he's going to throw like seven straight quality starts of with an ERA of like two, <laughs> and you're going to be like, oh right, that's what he always does. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm a big believer in the like good luck charm on the bench or in the IL spot. Um, and so if I have an IL spot to put him in, you best believe I'm going to put him in there. And I believe he'll be rooting for my fantasy team all year long. Um, Chad, Pete, thank you guys so much for jumping on, for answering so many questions. I know so many members of the community have uh, keeper leagues and, and you know deadlines this week and stuff. So I hope you guys really help them make some, some uh, tough decisions. Um, so thank you guys so much for jumping on here. Thank Thanks, you. Miles.